business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? I'm so wasted. Anybody move out, blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, oh my god. I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Pauline, this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! All right. It is a Friday night. Well, for some of you, it's going to be a Saturday, technically. But uh, kind of fitting that uh, we decided to go on this late because uh, tonight we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, those of you who have been hanging out with me for a little while know I've been playing the uh, the soundtrack for a little while now. So, uh, you know, been doing that a little bit. Anthony should be joining me any minute now. Uh, but I figured I would go ahead and get started. Uh, this is usually a little, uh, little midnight kind of thing anyway, so not too bad of a thing that we, uh, we jumped on a little bit late here. Um, now, yes, uh, I'm sure when everyone's thinking Rocky Horror, everyone's kind of excited about it. There was just a new, uh, remake of it that, uh, just recently came out on Fox last week actually it was last thursday night um i did watch it i will uh i'll get into that later um figure we'd uh me and anthony would blow through the original movie first and then um go ahead and get into that uh that other one i've got a few things to say about it i did check it out it was um 
I really am trying to keep an open mind about it. So, I mean, it is 2016, and yeah, I'll just go with that for right now. When um, We'll jump back into that in a little while. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, director was a gentleman named Jim Sharman. Play was written by him also, one of the screenplays. Uh, the original music play was uh, written by Richard O'Brien. Richard O'Brien was Riff Raff in the original movie. So uh, I'm sure everyone uh, has probably seen that movie by now. I mean, Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, Barry Boswick, uh, Patricia Quinn, Nell Campbell, Jonathan Adams was in that movie, Meatloaf, um, Charles Gray was in it. Just, you know, wasn't a huge cast that did a lot. Um, obviously, Susan Sarandon did a lot. Barry Boswick did a lot. Tim Curry uh, did pretty well for himself. He's been in a bunch of different things here and there. He's uh, He shows up all the time, uh, you know, in this and in that. But um, this movie... Uh, for 1975, this movie had a $1.4 million budget, and um, right now all they can say is that it's cleared about $140.2 million. You know, that is incredible. This movie still, still is making money to this day. People still show this, like I said. People, uh, we have a couple places here that show it at eleven fifty-nine p.m. Uh, on Fridays. So, I mean, there are still places that are, you know, you, you can still go see this, and you know, it's very crowd interactive. Uh, people dress up like the characters and go. Uh, when I went to see this, I saw it at a place in Florida called the Carefree Theater. So it was a, uh, it, you know, it was a really cool thing. Uh, I got Anthony here with me. What's up, Anthony? What's going on, guys? Oh, man. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Turn you Rocky down. Horror, midnight. Kind of appropriate that we're starting on a late night tip. Uh, that's what I said. It's kind of a midnight movie anyway. So, uh, you know, why not? Perfect time to start. That's why I texted you to let you know I was going to start at midnight. With or without you, bro. <laughs> nah, I couldn't miss this one. I mean, so what do you think? Since we're talking Rocky Horror Pictures, should we uh, get a little fucked up and weird? Or in the words of Doug, good friend to the show, should we keep it professional tonight? Well, I've 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 already started drinking, so you know. I mean, I've got I got a six pack of Heineken sitting beside me here, but um, yeah, yeah. This uh, I I kind of got into it, uh, very shortly. I've only been on for about uh, probably ten minutes, just talking about basically movie started off with a one point four million dollar budget. They're estimating $140.2 million made, and that's without calculating. I mean, this movie is still making money to this day. I mean, just last week on Fox, this movie was remade, which we'll get into after we go through the original. Did you did you see the one last week? Uh, I, honestly, no, I missed that one, Bob. So I wasn't. 
That's fine. Smart sod. He's going to call in when we start talking about that because I got a few things to say, and I'm sure he does too because he's a fan of the original one. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, not to get off topic too much, but I'm really, in, as a rule of thumb, I'm not really a fan of remakes because very rarely do they live up to the original, regardless of the budget, regardless of who's acting. Mm-hmm. There's just a certain fineness I have for like the original of any movie of right. any genre. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I you know I don't like I said I haven't seen it, but based on your tone, I'm kind of like yeah, you probably didn't enjoy it too much. Um, I said right in the beginning, I'm trying to keep an open mind about it, but um, we'll get into it after we go through the original here. I was just talking about the cast in the original. Uh, I guess most people, notable people in this cast would be Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon. Barry Boswick and Meatloaf. Probably the <laughs> and I, most. Honestly, like these are like they're not obscure people, but they don't get talked about nearly as much as they should. They I, love, don't. I love all of them. And you know, it's funny. I just watched Barry Boswick in uh, Spin City. Yeah, that and dude is hilarious. It's so weird to see him in this movie and just be like, I just watched this guy in a fucking sitcom. It's just weird. <laughs> But um, I did note that uh, Riff Raff, the guy who played Riff Raff in the movie, was one of the writers of the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's insane, you know, just bringing up a guy like Tim Curry or uh, Barry Bonds with how long they actually been around. Yeah, I mean, this movie was put out. I mean, this movie was put out the year I was born, nineteen seventy-five. The Golden Age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this movie is forty-one years old. So am I, and. Um, by the way, I do want to say I don't think anyone in the original movie has ever been an NYPD blue. Uh, <laughs> just, oh, so so no six degrees of uh, Dennis Farina tonight, Box? Um, I probably could. I probably could. I know Tim Curry's been in a uh, a few things with a few people that have been in NYPD blue. So I I, I could bring it back to it, but I I why bother tonight? Um. You know, uh, it's, look, this movie wasn't meant to be the hit movie that it was. It was meant to be just kind of a fun thing. It was a parody movie. Uh, The movie is supposed to be a parody of science fiction and B-rated horror movies, uh, basically in the 30s through the 70s. And they just kind of make fun of it. And turns out this movie turned into a cult. I don't even know if cult classic is yeah. the way to put it. A, it I mean, when oh, you. I, I, it's, honestly, it, it's, it's, it's past that. I mean, I, I guess you could say when when you think of of cult movies, this movie defines what a cult movie should embody. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, and if you look at the literal definition, yeah, I will say that. Yeah, yeah, I really think this is what a cult movie is. From, I mean, this movie's 41 years old. The, it is a complete crowd-engaging movie, uh, especially when you go see it live. So, you know, it's a lot of fun. People yell things, and like I said, they dress up as the characters, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I used to go to a place called Carefree Theater in Florida. They used to do the same thing at midnight. They would do it. 
whoa. And, um, you know, if if you've never been, you're going to have to get on stage and do something. Uh, I had a lick milk off of a giant set of fake boobs. It, it was fun. I had fun that night. But, um, you know, they go up there. They do it. They do it live, usually with the movie playing in the background. So they're kind of just going with the movie. But it's really, really cool to go see live. So if you've never seen it live, look it up. I guarantee it's somewhere in your area. Um, have you ever gone to a live show, Anthony? Uh, no, I haven't. But uh, if it's if it's a uh, titty looking involved, I might have to look that up. <laughs> it was uh, it was an interesting night, uh, <laughs> but it, it's definitely uh, very fun to go to. Actually, my um, I mean, we'll get in all the the scenes and everything, but uh, my ex girlfriend Kim used to know like all the dance moves for this whole movie. Ah, that 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 led to some fun nights. I bet she could do every day. Even the 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 dance where Columbia dances in, during the time warp, she knew the, every move for that dance and everything. She was a cool chick, but uh, there's a reason it's a ex girlfriend. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I guess we can sort of get into the. I mean, this movie basically centers around a. An annoying young couple uh, in Brad and Janet. Uh, Brad obviously played by Barry Boswick, Janet by Susan Sarandon. Uh, it starts off, they're at a wedding. Now, if you look around this little wedding they're at, a lot of the people from the castle are in this scene. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but Riff Raff no. is in it. Magenta is in it. So... It's one of those things, but uh, it all starts there, and they decide to kind of take a trip where it all started, where they found love, and they decide to go take a trip back to the Dr. Scott's uh, lab, and I, I mean, basically, they break down and go find a telephone and end up at a castle. Yes. Yes. A crazy, crazy <laughs> castle. Like, yeah, like, like Smark says in the chat, basically Brad and Janet are an asshole and a slut. Um, yeah. They are swept up into the magical world of one Dr. Frank Enfurter, world-renowned. Frank Enfurter. <laughs> Frank Enfurter. But, oh, that um, was great. <laughs> Uh, it, it's, it's, man, how do you even talk about this film? It's so, it's, um... Oh, oh, oh boss, before we go any further, I actually want to point out, because I actually had some notes here, trying to be prepared and professional. Oh. Dr. Frankenfooter, did you know he was a self-proclaimed, and I quote, sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania? That's what the song says, my friend. That is fucking phenomenal. Absolutely. And think about it. This is pre-PC, so yeah. Oh, this is really pre. I mean, this is 1975. They could get away with a lot of shit. You could say whatever the Thank fuck you God. want. Miss hey, those days. <laughs> listen, I was surprised. I was a little shocked they let a lot of things go on Fox, but Fox also gets a little bit uh, edgy too. So, you know, 
they did all right. Um, I guess before we get deep into the movie, um, we, you know, we talked about how this movie became the cult classic and how the audience started engaging in this film. It happened actually in 1976, of course, in uh, in New York City, um, mainly at the Waverly Theater in New York City. Audience members started returning, uh, dressing as the characters and yelling stuff at the film, which became, you know, very popular to do, you know. And obviously there's little things that you need to know and do during the film. Um, it's still in a limited release. We talked about that. This film is the longest-running theatrical release in film history to this day. Fucking uh, insane. Yep. Often shown close to Halloween, the film has a huge international following and was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry in 2005. This film will probably never go anywhere. Yes, and I, I must say, it has to this day, in my opinion, one of the coolest covers for a DVD, VHS, any type of format that I've ever seen ever with the lips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, cool. honestly, whoever designed that cover is fucking fantastic. Yeah, and obviously the music in this movie really did make the movie. Um, you know, I, I guess now we can kind of start getting into the movie where, you know, Brad and Janet, we just talked about how they end up at a castle um, where, you know, obviously they're singing the, you know, song going in, and they are greeted by Riff Raff. <laughs> <laughs> who, I th in my opinion, is one of the greatest characters in this movie. Riff Raff is awesome. Of course, he's one of the writers, so he, obviously he had an idea in his head for what he wanted, and um, really... Brought that character to life, I thought. I thought it was one of the greatest movies. I mean, greatest characters in a movie. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely was. I just like saying his name, Riff Raff. <laughs> <laughs> Riff Raff. I always thought it was funny when uh, Jim Norton made fun of um, uh, Jesse Ventura. And he said, you and your Riff Raff haircut. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. On the side, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I don't know what Jesse's doing, but he needs to just go bald again. Just cut that shit off. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it, it just, you know, it's time to let it go. You know, every man gets to a point where you need to just look in the mirror and go, you know what? It's time for me to let this shit go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thrill is gone. Yeah, yeah, it's gone, Jesse. You know, it's gone. Just uh, deal with it, my friend. Deal with it. The party's out back, but nobody's coming, bro. Duh, yeah. So. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to play a few songs while we're talking because, uh, like I was just saying, the music in this movie pretty much makes the movie. Um, they sing a song going in, but obviously, once they meet Riff Raff and his sister, who you find out later in the movie, Magenta, um, they find out they have come on a special night. The mm. master is having a little party. So they end up doing uh, the time warp. So, you know, one of this was probably the 
the song this the movie is really well known for. So, you know, here it is. It's just a jump to the left. Wait. Just a jump to the left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't want to not just get one on YouTube, but uh, yeah, definitely the uh, the music in this movie. Yes. Really. Really, 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 really made this movie. I love this soundtrack. I've actually been playing it for the last hour on the show. So, that hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been playing it for a while now. Now, and Box, let me ask you something. Because as a rule of thumb, I hate musicals. I, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world to have people sing lines. But for some reason, what do you what what do you why do you think like as a cult classic, Rocky Horror Picture kind of like succeeded where so many other kind of musicals kind of fail for the most part? Because well, you don't really hear about musicals for the most part being big time hits. Well, some of them. I mean, Grease. I will always consider a hit. Oh, I will yeah, always Greece. consider Grease one of the all time musical hits out there. And, you know, I mean, there's a few more movies, I mean, that people do bring up. I think this movie made it because of the weirdness, uh, the fact that you don't just, uh, the fact that you have people literally dancing in the aisles for this movie to this day. And and they do. I mean, when you go see this movie, they really are dancing in the aisles to this movie. Yes. You know? And the funny thing is, most of them are actually sober while doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, some, you know, but, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's just, I really think uh, audience participation is probably one of the keys in this movie being as famous as it is. And, you know, yeah, like Mark says, Wizard of Oz, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, all, you know, a.k.a. Willy Wonka. They are both known as musicals, too. <laughs> Yeah, smart. Thanks for not saying bringing up that other bullshit. That was a high school musical. A high Fuck school musical. There, 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 that was one. But I mean, you know, Greece is probably the most comparable one because you know most people don't think of Greece as a musical. But hey, guess what? It is. Uh, you know. So, but I really, th- you know, and I always told my friends someone should take the movie Greece and do what someone did with Rocky Horror. Well, guess what? Someone did it. Yeah, yeah, someone did basically the same thing. But, you know, back to what I was saying, I think crowd participation really made made this, you know, one of the... I don't even think this is considered a musical. I really think it's in a different category. It's weird. Like, I mean, they call it, like, they it's classified as a musical slash horror. 
I honestly don't picture. I don't really the uh, musical part. I get because it's a lot of you know. Obviously, there's a lot of dance numbers, yeah. crowd participation moments in it. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not a scary type person. But I don't really consider it like very scary or horror like. No, this movie definitely was not you know scary. It was weird. It was odd. Um, definitely not scary. Look, it was a fun movie. Listen, if you watch this movie. And don't just go, what the fuck did I just watch? You didn't watch it. You know, I remember my dad didn't really know what this movie was and got it when I was a kid. I was probably only 10 years old when I saw this movie. But it always stuck with me as being one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. But it always stuck with me as a good movie. And then when I got older... You know, people started talking about it, and, you know, my sister's friends who were two years older than me were always going, they went to see it in North Carolina, so it just became something for me to go see it in Florida, and all my friends were into the movie, and every Halloween, me and my buddy Mike and my buddy Joe and Chris would all get around and watch this movie. That is, that's what we would do on Halloween night. Yeah, and it's funny you said it because I'm actually uh, going through some uh, quotes here from some uh, pretty famous publications and uh, critics. Mm -hmm. Chicago Chicago Sun-Times critic Roger Ebert noted that when first released, the the Rocky Horror Picture Show was ignored by pretty much everyone, including the future fanatics who would eventually count the hundreds of times they've seen it. He considered it more a long-running social phenomenon than a movie, rating it 2.5 out of 4 stars. Let me see here. Oh, it did not do well. Not do well it, at all. Yeah, that's yeah, it's weird, though. It's like, and you figure back then, obviously, 1975, you didn't have social media. Nowadays, if something blows up, it kind of blows up instantaneously. Like, think about James Ellsworth to put in a wrestling reference there. <laughs> yeah. But but, uh, but uh, back then, it's like, it really had to be like a word of mouth. One person saw it. Oh, you need to check out this Rocky Horror Pit. It's weird as shit, but you got to check it out. Well, and that's pretty much how it kind of grew into what it became. Oh, kind of. I mean, this film did come out in the United States. It started off in London. This movie was actually shot in London at the, uh, what is it called? The Oakley Oakley House? Oakley Manor? Hold on one second here. I'll tell you in just a second. The Oakley Court. Uh, it's still around to this day. You can actually stay there at the Oakley Court in this house. Um, so it's not like it's, uh, this house was built in 1857 and it is still there and you can still, to this day, go see and stay in this house. So, but it did come out in the United States a couple months after it came out in, in the UK. But, you know, it definitely gained a lot of, uh, it's it, it, it snowballed into the cult classic it is over the years. I would say 85, 90, it really, 10, 15 years later is when it really took over. Yeah. Um, you know, so actually they're saying about 83. Once yeah. it got re-released um, and people started seeing what the audiences were doing. Yeah. Uh, it got re-released as a the Rocky Horror Picture Show audience partic partis a patient album. So, you know, it came out, but um, yeah, the critics did not like this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, 
I don't know, man. I, I tend, like I said, for the most part, it's certain critics that, you know, I kind of like respect their opinion. But at the same time, I think a lot of critics kind of like overanalyze. Some movies are just meant to have a good time. And like, and this all this, this all this movie really was. It had mm. some freaky shit in it. It wasn't meant to fucking change the world or anything. It was just meant to be have a good time. Like, they, whoever made the movie, they went into it just like, fuck it. Let's just have fun with this shit. They probably were high at the time they wrote the script. Well, it was riffraff. <laughs> I mean, I think about I me. Mean, I mean, think about I mean, it's a, it's obviously it's a classic, but you could tell, like in terms of dialogue, the the layout of it, they, they didn't really put a lot of thought into the script. And like, oh, let, let's have some artsy farty lines in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the film is narrated by Charles Gray, who is a criminologist. Uh, they don't really tell them much about him. They just say criminologist or an expert in it. Um, but uh, it's narrated by him. He kind of tells the story of what happened the night Brad and Janet ended up at this um, castle. Um, but he, as he's telling the story, basically um, in between songs, Dr. Frankenfurter ends up seducing both of them in bed. Uh, but he also... Let's let's look back up a little bit, because before that, he creates what the movie is named for, Rocky. Mm. He actually... Basically, this is obviously a play on Frankenstein. I don't know if you realize that or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, this is a play on Frankenstein... Um, he comes down and all his, the Transylvanians are down there and Tim Curry announces that he has found the secret to life itself. And, you know, he starts turning things, doing things, doing the better. And, uh, next thing you know, Rocky is born. So we get to finally see Rocky. And he's dancing around. Now, did you ever notice he has no belly button? I did not notice that fact because I never looked that hard at him. I tried not. I, it was weird because I'm a, I'm a Tim Curry guy. Like I said, I think the guy deserves more props than he gets. Very underrated actor. Very underrated. Look him up, kids, if you don't know who he is. Yeah. But I, I when I first saw it, it's like I said, I don't know about you, Box, but it really took me a while. It took me like a few viewings to really kind of really get into Rocky Horror, because like the first time you see it, at least for me, it is it is fucked up. It is kind of weird. It takes a while for at least for me to get into it. How mm -hmm. about you? No, did I you just... get it like instantaneously? Like I said, I was really young the first time I really saw this movie, so no, it was kind of weird for me too. But about five years later. Like I said, my sister's friends were watching it, you know, and they were, they, like I said, they would go see it. And then when I got in high school, a lot of my friends wanted to go and see it. And, you know, it, it kind of became a thing again. It, it just kind of has its time that it keeps coming back and back. This film will not die. And I hope it never does. Everyone should get to experience this film the original Definitely. and i think the original i don't think the new one's going to become 
some sort of, you know, new cult classic, but, you know. Well, you, you never know for this generation, because everybody kind of yeah. attaches themselves to certain things, whether it's music, movies, but... And I'm like you, Box. I, I, I honestly don't think. I think honestly, we're at a point now in Hollywood where they're devoid of ideas. So now they're they're literally digging into their toolboxes and looking for anything that was even remotely a hit way back when yeah. to try to remake and just try to squeeze every last dime well, that they can. I hear they're fucking making a Sister Act remake. So that should tell you how devoid of ideas fucking Hollywood has become in 2016. Jesus Christ. But, uh, I don't I mean, the, the, you know, I, I've been expecting them to do this for a while. It's right around Halloween. I'm surprised they didn't do this a, week, a few years ago with this movie, but, um... All right, let's get back to the movie here. Uh, Smark also puts in here that Vincent Price was offered the role of the criminologist, the narrator we were just talking about, turned it down due to scheduling conflicts. You know, I got a few more things. Do you know who was also in contention to play Tim Curry's character, Frankenfurter? No, shoot. Mick Jagger. Oh. Oh, God. Mick Jagger, the man that when this world comes to a fucking end will be alive and cock with cockroaches, and that'll be about yep. it. That man is invincible. <laughs> Mick Jagger was actually uh, in line to play this role, but uh, obviously it didn't happen. And thank God, because I think Tim Curry made this role. I mean, I, I know, you know, oh, well, he made it his, but he uh, that's not what I... He really took to this role he embraced it i mean hey let's be honest it takes balls to be a woman and it. <laughs> it takes balls to dress up like a woman and kind of just put yourself in there and just put it all out there so to speak it takes balls to be a woman, be a woman. oh jesus anyway late. that's another quotable <laughs> we'll let that simmer for a minute there um and of course after rocky is born Another amazing song because once that is happening, Rocky bumps into the deep freeze, and uh, who comes out? Meatloaf. Fucking <laughs> Meatloaf. Now, and you know, I gotta tell you, I'm a Meatloaf fan. I really am. I think he's got an excellent voice. Um, this performance here was probably one of his best performances, but, uh, you know, he, he, this is his only scene in the movie where he comes out and basically, you know, sings this song and then is killed. But, you know, great song. Here we go. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of it here. Just listening to that voice, could anyone else have sang that song? Oh, no. That po- Meatloaf has one of the most 
powerful voices, na pow naturally powerful voices, in my opinion. Yes, but yeah, because he, he came up during an era where there was no auto-tune, and you actually had to have some pipes, and you actually had to be able to blow on your own. Oh, I mean, he, I mean, think about, I mean, he's a basically a, I guess you could call him a rock opera singer. Yeah, I, I guess I mean, he's a natural soprano, so to speak. Oh, he's a. I mean, he he basically does rock operas. That's basically what his albums are. Even that's what they are. Um, you know, I, I've got a few of his albums, and Meatloaf is amazing. His songs, his voice. So you know, if if you're not up to uh, you know the, your your Meatloaf standards, uh, definitely check him out. Go to YouTube, get a few of his songs. He's a, he's great. He really is great. But um, I don't know anyone else who could have played this part as good as he did. Yeah, he he was in, he wasn't in the movie very long. But sometimes you just kind of get in and get the fuck out. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. Sometimes. I'm sorry, Ted. Meatloaf is awesome. That man has a voice. I know you may not think so. Not every he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he does have some really good songs out there and. I really like, but my kids like Meatloaf songs. That's all I gotta say. Now, I guess since we're on Meatloaf, real quick, before he like lost all of the weight, wasn't it kind of eerie with the hair and all? How much he looked like Sam Kennison, another one of your favorites. Yeah, I th honestly, for the first, when I first saw Meatloaf, I'm like, is he related to Sam Kennison? Yeah, they, they, they were, especially in the '80s, man. They looked like. Fucking twins. Yeah, they looked like brothers for a little while there. Oh, okay. Actually, he was agreeing. No one else could have done that part but Meatloaf. Okay. Sorry, Ted. I take back all the things I was thinking about what an asshole you were. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Where were we? Oh, Meatloaf is oh, fucking awesome. Uh, Meatloaf is friggin' awesome. Obviously, in this movie, uh, Meatloaf is... Columbia's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever you want to call her. Uh, she's obviously excited to see him. But Frankenfurter takes care of that by killing Eddie with an axe quickly. Yes. But at least we got the song out of him. Yes. Oh, and uh, for you trivia buffs, uh, it looks like uh, Meatloaf was ranked 96th on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock. Kind of low, but at least he made the top 100. Yeah, whatever. Like I said, Meatloaf is not everybody's cup of tea, and he's really not going to be. But uh, I, per I personally think he's got an amazing voice. Look, I'm an Elvis fan too, so whatever. But uh, actually, after the death, Brad and Janet shown to separate rooms where, like I said, they are each individually seduced by Frankenfurter. Obviously, Frankenfurter uh, is a uh, switch hitter. Yeah. Obviously, he uh, bats lefty and righty. Wow. Oh, I just want to bring up, Smart brought up a little factoid here. Let me see. According to Meatloaf, Elvis Presley was the studio's first choice to play Eddie, and apparently Elvis was actually... I'm sorry, Elvis had actually expressed some interest in doing so. Do you think that would have kind of changed the dynamic of the movie? or? Wow, that would have been very weird. I Fucking Elvis Presley? Well, yeah, damn. 
I couldn't even see Elvis doing it. Uh, he got the voice for it, though. I mean, you see, it was 1975. He died two years later. Yeah, and I guess he would, he would have been out of shape at this point. Oh, but. in '75, he was already uh, out of shape. I mean, that was uh, I believe that was like Blue Hawaii days, if I'm not mistaken. Not Blue Hawaii days. Um, like those Hawaii tours where he was just starting to get pudgy. It's it's kind of weird because I, I guess like me because Meatloaf, you know, was all you know up until recently, over the past few years, was always a big guy. Mm-hmm. So. I guess, but I guess with Elvis though, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have fit because you know people expect Elvis to he has like a unique look, you know, with the jumpsuits and all that. And if Elvis had it came on the scene, fat and bloated and out of shape, it probably I guess for some people it wouldn't have worked. The visual of Elvis fat and out of shape trying to do his old moves probably wouldn't have worked for some people. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him in 1975. He was just starting to get out of shape. You can see he's starting to get the jowls. Around his, you know, in his face, his face was just yeah. starting to round out, um, and you know, still wearing the white jumpsuit, but uh, and the blue jumpsuit. God damn, he was a cool motherfucker. And hey, even even towards the end, he kept it cool. <laughs> he was a cool motherfucker, man. He really was. God damn. Karate kicking motherfucker too. Apparently, I, 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 we need to do a fucking Elvis movie one night, just so I can talk Elvis. My, my God damn it, we need. We'll we'll do that one night. So, yeah. So obviously, like I was saying, Frankenfurter's a switch hitter, uh, which explains why he's a guy dressed up in a corset. So while. He is um, engaging with Brad, I guess you could say. Engaging? Is that a good one? Uh, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Riff Raff and Magenta <laughs> are downstairs, and you could sort of tell they're planning something throughout this movie, and what they're doing is basically torturing Rocky. Uh, he ends up breaking the chains, running, and this is where this is where Janet finds out she's a dirty tramp. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> uh, she starts singing her song. They find out she's was a virgin in this scene. Because she starts singing a song about, you know, never being touched and heavy petting. And then she realizes Rocky is in there. And she gets in there and loses her virginity. <laughs> so. <laughs> she was deflowered. <laughs> she was. Um while the, and so while this is happening, they run downstairs, Brad is down there, they all get discovered, and while they are down there, and, you know, there's always, there's a very funny scene where they all start saying each other's name, but Dr. Scott arrives, and this is where, you know, another scene where the crowd always gets involved, uh, Dr. Scott comes in, and this is where the movie gets even more weird. Because they start talking about aliens. And Eddie had sent 
Dr. Scott, after they have a very awkward dinner, they start talking about how Eddie sent a letter saying that he was uh, in with aliens. And, oh, hurry, hurry, might end up dead. So he read a note, and Frankenfurter tears off the tablecloth, and there is Eddie. Dead. They were eating Eddie. You want to talk about Eddie? <laughs> That's a tender subject. <laughs> Another slice, anybody? Oh, man. What a great fucking movie this is. So, you know, we're kind of... This movie moves very quick. I don't know if you've realized this by now. <laughs> Sorry, folks. It's not, it's not that we're, you know, glossing over it, but it's really, like I said, it's really a series of misadventures and it, it really kind of goes by fast with this movie. And it's, it's, it's very, this is very much a visual movie. I mean, nothing that we can say about the movie can ever do it justice. It's real Rocky horror picture. I mean, I, and I don't exaggerate when I say this, this is a movie you honestly have to experience <laughs> to really get the gist of what we're saying. It is. It is. Um, but you know, this is one of those, um, it is one of those kind of movies. You need to experience it. You need to see it. But again, without the music, it's very hard to, you know, really talk about it. But I do want to get into the new one and sort of make some comparisons. So, like I said, Smark will be calling in for that uh, a little bit here. We'll take a quick... Uh, quick break and then we'll get into the new one is what we'll do yes. so you know we're kind of getting into the end of the movie here this is where they get into the floor show uh, actually Frankenfurter had Medusa transducered all of the um, Brad Janet Dr. Scott and even Columbia because she loved him, and she yelled at him. So another great quote was in this movie when he did that was, even smiling makes my face ache. So that was another one. Now we go to the floor show where, you know, he's in there hitting lights all frantic, like a, like like someone getting ready to do a bunch of models. And we get another great song from all of them. Uh, again, another one you have to just to see. First of all, the beginning of this song, you get to see Columbia's nipple throughout the whole thing. Both <laughs> nipples, actually, are sticking out for this whole song. So you get to see those. You get to see Barry Boswick dressed up as a woman. And you get to see Susan Durant, Susan Sarandon looking pretty sexy in this part. So, yeah, and I gotta say, you know, since you brought her up, even into her, even as she started to age, she held on to her looks for a pretty long while. That one, that Susan Sarandon, she's still not looking horrible. Really, the last movie I remember seeing her in was The Client. Oh, that that yeah, that's, that's another movie that we kind of need to review. That was a pretty underrated. Oh yeah, flick. I like that movie. That was a really that was a that was a good movie with um, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, I wish I could remember the kid in the movie. I forgot his name. I forget his name, but Anthony Lapaglia is in it. 
Anybody from NYPD Blue Box? <laughs> um, yeah, actually. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the, the guy who plays uh, Barry Boswick's... Not, not, I'm sorry. The guy who plays Barry the Blade, Anthony LaPaglia's uh, uncle, oh, was okay. a ex-cop in that in NYPD Blue. I'm sure if I watched it again, there's four or five more people, but I know he was the... He was an ex-cop in that movie, so. An ex-cop who committed murder in that movie, actually, and got away with it in that show. So, God, it's scary that I even remember what scene the, I mean, I don't remember the name, but, like, I could tell you the whole episode. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. 2017's coming up. I'll watch it again. (laughs) so yeah but you get to see some nice weird things they do a nice performance in this song and this is where Riff Raff and Magenta interrupt him and basically you know what I think I can explain this here let me see if I can find hold on here let me do this give me a second here take your time I'm gonna pull Man, that let me part see, let up. Let me see if I can fill time with Rocky Horror Picture Show coming to a theater near you. Oh yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm surprised they haven't re-released it in theaters again. I'm, they do every now and then. Yeah, so. I mean, like, I mean, I know they do it around Halloween and all that type of stuff, but. Yeah, yeah, they usually do around Halloween. You're right. So let's yeah, but uh, actually, I'm, I'm surprised because it's a theater in Philly that kind of does like a lot of old school movies and. Uh, on Mondays, and they do like um, little things where you can kind of come as the characters, dress up, and they give you like five dollar deals on alcohol. But you would love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely sounds like something I'd be into. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's usually what it ends up being, though. So here, let me see if I can get right to this part here. This is the end here. <laughs> So basically, Riff Raff and Magenta were planning this the whole time to... Basically, there is a mutiny in the Rocky Horror Picture Show here, uh, is what happens here. So, you know, what the hell. But, uh... <laughs> um, by the way, did you know... Did you, did you notice this? When they do focus on him, it's an R... K O radio picture. Do you think that's where uh, Randy? Do you think yeah. his initials? You think that's where he got? You think you think his dad was a closet Rocky Horror fan? Maybe. Huh? Maybe. All right. Anyway, at this point, uh, Frankenfurter sings a song trying to explain that he just got caught up in the human world and, damn it, he just wanted to fuck all he could. 
and yes. riffraff. Hey, that's the way to go. There I mean, you go. I look at it like this: rock out with your cock out. Yep. <laughs> until 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 the uh, priest reads the last rites. That's it, baby. Hang out with your wang out. Um, riffraff does <laughs> does end up killing Frankenfurter and Rocky in this scene, and he does let uh, Doctor Scott and uh brad and janet go and that's pretty much i mean that's that's the movie i mean the movie itself isn't oh my god it's so all oh, the dialogue the scenes this one it's a very there's a ton of quotes in this movie yes. the music is amazing in this movie yes. the I guess the artist uh, kind of you know what I'm not a big artsy fartsy guy but I I call this kind of an artsy fartsy movie but I enjoy the artsy in this movie. You know what I mean? It just, yeah, it, you know, it's just like I'm I'm like you box, I'm not really a big art guy so I can't really tell you a Rembrandt and all that other type of shit. Mm-hmm. But for this movie it works. Like like the over the top like the way they just like the way they put the movie together the sets and the uh, costumes it just kind of fits for this movie and it's like for whatever reason it just stands out mm-hmm. and I paid attention to it more in this movie than I did in any other type of movie in terms of like costumes set design because normally I don't pay attention to that type of stuff yeah and I mean by the way let's not forget at the end of this movie when they're out there the whole building takes off as a rocket ship. So, you know, it's, yes, ridiculous. It is a, there's a reason this movie is a cult classic. Most cult classics aren't great movies. They have a hook. Just like a song. They've got a hook. The hook in this movie is the songs and the story. Yeah. And maybe not even the story, the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. The songs go with the scenes. Um yeah. there is some sort of other movie that Brad and Janet were in. Let me find that. Uh and uh shout out to Smart for uh you know, I I did break out into a random lamp there box a couple minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because of fucking smart. You know, he he's my one liner guy. But let me see, uh <laughs> According to him, according to Smart, this is the direct quote, Susan is still hot, Susan Sarandon that is, I hit it right now. No questions asked. Dude, I'm looking at the picture he posted. Um, yeah, 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 she can get it. And I'm dude, a titty guy too, yeah. I yeah. would, um... Ivory uh, might have been replaced. <laughs> I would, number one, not kick her out of bed. Number two, I'm glad I'm taller than her because I could... Get shots like this all the time. This is a great picture of Susan Sarandon right here. She looks amazing. I would definitely do that shit, dude. Yeah, she's showing off the lady. Yeah, honestly, that's a woman that knows she can still get it. Yeah, definitely. Now, there is a 1981 uh, Charmin reunited with uh, O'Brien, which was Richard O'Brien and James Charmin, to do a movie called Shock treatment a standalone feature that was not a direct sequel it's kind of the unofficial sequel their characters of brad and janet um does reunite these two characters uh it's in normal settings i have never seen this movie 
but I need to now find it. Um, yeah. Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, Barry Boswick were not in this movie. And 10 years later, Richard O'Brien wrote another script, The Revenge of the Old Queen. Uh, didn't do as well. And in 2014, it was announced that O'Brien, again, Riff Raff, would pronounce shock treatment for the theatrical stage, and it did in London. So, so let me ask you, Box, you know, I guess hindsight is always twenty twenty. Do you think it was good or bad that there was never an official sequel to Rocky Horror? Do you think it would have done well? No. Or do you think it's better that it was, you know, was a standalone flick to, you know, stand the test of time on its own? There's some movies that need to be left alone. Um, this is where the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it comes yeah. in. Do not mess with this movie. This movie yeah. has had such a cultural impact. I've heard this movie mentioned in like that 70s show, Drew Carey show. Um, you know, a bunch of movies and TV shows have mentioned this thing. In 2010, Glee did a whole Rocky Horror Glee show thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I never watched an episode of Glee, so I oh, wouldn't no, no, know. No, but, I uh, read that. I could believe it. I know that. Believe it or not, I actually know a couple of quotes popped up on uh, like American Dad and uh, Family Guy over the years. Yeah, yeah, it says that in here too. I've never, um, an American Dad also. Uh, yeah, I've never watched an episode of Glee. I am reading this. Uh, Barry Boswick and Meatloaf did a quick cameo role in it, by the way. But the only reason I even know the name Glee is because Charlotte Ross was in it, and she is smoking hot from NY, uh, NYPD Blue, of course. <laughs> she was she played Andy's <laughs> wife in the last few seasons. Yo, Bob, so we need like a little uh, timer or a little little fucking uh, NYPD Blue gimmick. You I need know, a, like uh, I hello, do. ladies. I need whenever a, you kind of make a, a comparison or a fucking connection to NYPD Blue, just hit that little mark. I used to have a little police. Uh, siren, but Shaheen made me take it down because it was uh, it was scaring him. He thought cops were outside his house. Wait a minute, that should I should be the one getting scared. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. You be, hey, Shaheen's mon- Muslim. He should be very scared. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got a few little trivia things here. Um, I know Meatloaf uh, walked out. Of Meatloaf originally walked out when he saw they did all the day all the things before the um, play even happened. They really didn't know what was going to be going on in here, but Meatloaf did walk out of the American stage production when he first saw Tim Curry in his stage costume. Actually tried to run from the theater, but got stopped by a cop for jaywalking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tim Curry, so he's uh, an ugly, he's an ugly woman. <laughs> in Australia, Russell Crowe appeared as Doctor Scott in a uh, stage version. Yes, Russell Crowe appeared as Doctor Scott. Fucking um, badass gladiator was <laughs> yes, that, sir. That's, that's a visual. Yeah, it probably would be. Uh, if anyone remembers, right in the beginning of the time warp scene, they open a clock to show a 
skeleton in the coffin. That skeleton was a real human skeleton. Uh, the story behind that skeleton is that it was the secretary for the Countess of Roslyn in England. So that is that was actually a real human skeleton we saw there. Um, the actor who played Rocky in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, that gentleman would be Peter Hinwood. Uh, Peter Hinwood does not speak or sing any of his own lines in that movie. He could not carry one single note on key. Uh, according to the book Rocky Horror, From Concept to Cult, his entire musical performance had to be dubbed over by singer Trevor White while he lip-synced the words, um, was horrible, couldn't even keep a note. Uh, the original director, Jim Sharman, was very displeased with his speaking voice, so just dubbed over every little thing, including the grunts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Copyrights a motherfucker, I guess. Yep. Uh, the motorcycle scene where Meatloaf jumps the bike out of the freezer and crashes it saw actually several real accidents on the set. Uh, the stuntman got hurt. They actually went through a couple of stuntmen, and a couple of them got hurt incredibly bad. And I already mentioned this film still to this day holds the record for the longest theatrical film release. Phenomenal. I mean, and it's weird. I mean, you already brought it up at the uh, top of the show, but I just want to reiterate, what was the budget for this movie in 1975? $1.4 million or whatever it was? One point, yeah, one, there, and, and, and the estimates I keep seeing are 1.2 to 1.4. So whatever you want to go with, I'm good. No, so, but, yeah, so, you know, 1.2, 1.4, that's still a lot of fucking money. Mm -hmm. Especially in 1975. That's the equivalent today of, like, fuck, like a billion dollars to make a movie or something like that. Right. So, just just think, that that's insane. And the fact that it went on to gross $140 million, once again, like, I think, like, Titanic is, like, it's, it's still, like, in the top five or top two or three movies that made the most money ever. Would you say uh, would you say Rocky Horror is probably if it came out today would probably be in the top ten in terms of all time movies in terms of making money? I don't. Um, uh, times have changed, my friend. No, I do not think this movie would be big today. I think it would be looked at as very weird, very odd. I think this movie. Oh, I, I'm the opposite. I, with all the hipsters we got running around, I think it'd be a hit. It could be, but I'll tell you what, man. There's films that have tried to be that cult kind of film, and it just doesn't work today. Kids don't... I mean, God, I feel like an old man saying that. Kids don't want to do this anymore. They don't want to get involved. They don't even want to leave the <laughs> fucking house. And Dude, I got to tell you something, man. Sometimes to get my eight-year-old out of the house, I feel like I have to beat him to get him out of the house. It's like, dude, come on. 
come on. They just don't want to do this anymore. And I think even older kids, they got more interest. Everything else is more to them. Um, I got older nephews, and they don't even know what the original Rocky Horror is. Then again, my sister hates this movie. So... I don't know, man. For some reason, I think it's fucked up and weird enough to appeal to a certain demographic and really kind of grow from there. Because um, I know you, I know what you mean about like kids today, like are being like they're kind of like insulated. They don't want to take chances. Mm-hmm. But I, I, this movie to me had just the right of Dilly Gaff, not giving a fuck. Well, to really to really kind of be something to me and to really kind of grow into something. For some reason, even though it's a different time. The direct, you could just tell, like they went into it. Like I said, they went into the movie, yeah, uh, not expecting it to be anything. Yeah, they they just kind of went into it, like, hey, a bunch of buddies. Look, we just gonna have fun with this shit. If it makes, if we make a couple bucks along the way, so be it. Problem with this. They, movie. So they went into it. It's almost like once you stop not giving a fuck, that's when you kind of are the most successful in life. Yeah, and I think that's what this movie is. Like they didn't really care. They didn't have any expectations. So if you if. I'm thinking, like, if this movie came out today, 40-something years later, for some reason, my gut tells me it would be a hit almost instantly. It wouldn't even be a, it wouldn't even go through the process of, oh, down the line, 12 years or 10 years down the line. Oh, Rocky Horror Pictures a hit now. You know, people found it. I think this would, this would be a hit almost instantaneously. Look at some of the movies that have come out over the last five to 10 years mm-hmm. that are fucking hits and that are, in my opinion, garbage. I just don't think that... I think it's a very non-politically correct movie. It really is when you think about it. This movie is completely opposite of PC. Um, Even some of the quotes in this movie, some of the main quotes in this movie couldn't even be said that... I mean, the sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania... Ew, you can't call me a transvestite. You can't say I'm transsexual. And what in the fuck is Transylvania? Is that some kind of joke? You can't do it anymore, dude. Uh, a mental... Uh, mm, you you it's, can't it's do weird. it anymore. A mental mind fuck could be, can be nice. I don't even think you could say that anymore on screen. They'd be like, oh my god. Um... I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you might have a lot of people up in arms about the train, the gay kind of like innuendos and all that kind of stuff. But you don't think like now nowadays it just seems like, you know, everybody's coming out left and right. I'm here. I'm queer. Get used to it, whatever the saying is. And it's like, I don't know. It just seems like the gay community, not to steal a phrase, is everywhere. Like, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just like everybody's involved. Everybody wants to be represented on film. I mean, you look at like remember Will and Grace back in the day. I I yeah, I mean I've I've never really I didn't like sit and watch it religiously, but I, no, no, I, I, mean, I, I mean I caught an episode here and there, but right right right. right. I, I think that I think the lead guy. I mean, obviously the two lead characters was gay on the show, and I think the one guy, I think it's Sean Hayes. I think he is gay in real life. Now, I, from what you saw of the show. Don't you think, I mean, obviously he was a real gay guy. Do you think his uh, performances sometimes could be interpreted as uh, maybe a bit over the top and kind of feeds into those stereotypes that people have of the gay community? Yeah, but I don't think... Kind of like... I don't think they have a problem with that. They have no problem with flamboyant gay guys. Jesus Christ. 
Look at some of the, I mean, flamboyantly. Listen, you got to realize, remember Elton John in the 1970s? He was the most flamb... And you know what? I'm going to use a bad word here. I hope no one gets mad. He was a flamboyant fag in the 1970s. Elton John. Look at him. I mean, look. Here's a guy who was in, you know, Tommy the Who, the movie. I don't know if you even knew that, but they had a movie. And he's uh, he's a total freak. Look at some of the old, old things. He came out in big glasses... Come on, look at Liberace. How the hell? Oh, Liberace. How the you know, fuck rest did rest you people not know that guy? Was, <laughs> how did you people not know that guy was gay? The fuck out of here. I mean, look, I, I don't give a damn, but I mean, you could. I mean, clearly, like when he was like fucking like on the uh, the first WrestleMania with the fucking line, the Rockets. Yeah, he was dancing this, better than I them. Mean, if that wasn't a dead giveaway that that guy was a flaming fag. <laughs> Jesus, we both used it now. All right, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured, yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't take all the heat. We're co-hosts, we're partners. <laughs> Thank no, you. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying. though, I just look at it like if we're I'm, gonna... I, I'm an equal opportunity offender. There you go. If we're gonna go down in flames, we're both going down together, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know, even even with all of the overtones, and you know, we it seems like we had this discussion every week, you know. Time for change, and like all in the family would be kicked off the air after two or three episodes if it came out today. Because <laughs> you know you can't have a, a guy, you know, a middle-aged white guy, you know, <laughs> getting on t- getting on camera telling, you know, Dude, saying the anything. Honeymooners, it's on his mind. <laughs> the honeymooners wouldn't be able. He's threatening to hit his wife in the Bang, oh, boom to the moon, Alice. He's threatening to beat his wife. No way. No way. Even even though it was comical, <laughs> you have, remember how like he would do the bang zooms and you hear the you hear the audience in the background. <laughs> I now really, hear, Boom! I really Woman feel theater. the last show that was able to get away with that kind of of humor, I believe. What I'm to, I mean, South Park can, but it's cartoons, so I don't really put that in the same category. But Married with Children. I believe was probably one of the last, last hurrahs of great comedy. Political incorrectness. Yeah. I really think so. And like I said, you can throw South Park, but that's in a completely different category since it's a, since it's a cartoon for me. Now, Box, let me ask you because I'm you know uh, I was in a uh, video store earlier that I actually found. It's called We Buy. Shout out to those guys. They actually have like a treasure trove of random shit. Or whatever you're looking for, and I kind of like was eavesdropping. You know, they got into a little debate about um, like South Park, how they're able to get away with certain things. Like, uh, I think they did an episode one time where they basically fucking ran Mickey Mouse over the coals, and one guy had brought up like, I wonder how they got away with that, Disney, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we just got into a little debate, and um, I wanted to get your viewpoint on it. I think there's like an understanding amongst the film industry or the entertainment industry at whole mm-hmm. that kind of like everybody knows what South Park is, right? Yeah. They, no, they It's like an understanding that South Park wouldn't be South Park if they didn't go there. So mm-hmm. it's like everybody, as long as everybody's making money, South Park can get away with certain things that other people can't. So what do you think about that? Because it seems like even in the, even in this, uh, in this uptight, politically correct world that we live in right now, this pussified generation, South Park still seems to be able to live by those not give a fuck rules like it's still like the 90s or the fucking 70s mm-hmm. 
Um, I think. What do you a, think about that? Like, what do you think? Why do you think they get a pass where other people get raked over the coals? I think there's a few reasons. I think a, they're cartoons. That's a help. They're characters. They're fictional characters. Number one. Um. They're on cable, which is a big help. Not only are they on cable, they're on a channel called Comedy Central. If you don't understand what you're watching on Comedy Central, change the fucking channel. You know what I mean? You're yeah. Listen, and those guys, I, I respect, you know, what is it, Trey Parker and Matt Stone? Yep. They don't apologize. They don't yeah, they don't apologize for shit. They don't apologize. Matter of fact, they're if you fuck with them, all they will do is put you in the fucking show. That's yep. what they will do. And they will bury your ass on their show. I respect the fact that they don't apologize for comedy, for jokes. And I really think they get away with a lot because people see it for what it is. Again, character this kind of goes back to remember the movie Private Parts, Howard Stern oh, movie. Yeah, back when Howard Stern had balls. I mean, there you he, go. I, I never thought I would let us see the day where fucking the entertainment industry would finally cut off mm. the balls of Howard Stern. Yeah, exactly. Bad day. <laughs> but you know what? It goes back to that where pig vomit, which was played by um, uh, Jesus Christ, the fuck, Paul um, Giamatti. Oh, uh, Paul Giamatti, who after that movie has been in everything from there, um, he says to Howard, "See, Imus doesn't say the bad thing; he has a character say it. You know what I mean? It's not as shocking. It's not as offensive to people when you have fictional characters say it." And it's really less offensive when you have a cartoon character say it, in my opinion. I think that's that's part of it. And I think, like I said, just being on Comedy Central, a cable channel, is a plus for them. You know what you're getting on Comedy Central. If you don't, like I said, change the fucking channel. And by the way, go fuck yourself because you have no sense of humor. There yeah, you go. definitely. I mean, I have. I mean, I'll be honest. I've I'm been out of the loop on South Park. I do have to get back into it. But I'll be honest with you. It'd be a sad day when I finally when that show kind of calls it a career because if you really think about it, I don't ever see another show, at least in our lifetimes, not to get uh, too uh, fucking morbid over here. But I don't think we'll ever see another show that'll really kind of come and just kind of like push the boundaries of what's socially acceptable on television in terms of, you know, just pushing the envelope and, you know, like, tackling current events and actually talking about shit as it had. The beauty of South Park is, if something happens, whether it's 9-11, whether it's Bill Cosby, whether it's fucking whatever, mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck. White, black, they, they're, like I said, they're equal opportunity offenders. Right. They will fucking bury your ass six feet deep and not yeah. apologize for shit. Yeah, and now now the only kind of current events people want to see are on, like, a Law & Order SVU, where they show current events, too. Of course, they say they're all fictional, but they they obviously do current events. But I don't know, man. It's just... it's it. I mean, we do talk about it on every show. The world has gotten PC since 2004, and, you know, I 
a few stations have been able to a few shows, not stations, a few shows have been able to not back down and still keep with what they've been doing. And South Park is one of the lucky, lucky, lucky ones, you know? So good for them. How, how, when did South Park start? How long has that show been on? It says 98. What? Like 90, 90 said somebody can, uh, I'm about to check it down, but I believe, I believe it debuted in like 98. Excuse me. Here, hold on. (laughs) I'm burping over here. Damn Heineken. It's about to get fun now if you start burping. Oh yeah. Fucking Heineken's got me here. All right. Let's go to up, 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 up. We're going to look for South Park. There it is. 1997 South Park. Yeah, I knew it was like 97, 98. So they've 281 episodes. They have uh, stood the uh, the sands of time, if you will. So, yeah. All right. There we go. You want to uh, let's uh. Yeah, ninety-seven. You're it, it was Smark. Look at Smark. He's like the fucking South Park, fucking Rain Man over there. Uh, all right. So real quick, we want to take a quick, quick five, and we'll uh, come on back. We'll get Smart to call in, and we will talk a little bit about the new remake that was on Fox last Thursday night of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good time. The party's just getting started. (laughs) Yeah. So we will be back in, uh, I think we mean five minutes tonight. So be back in five, y'all. See All right. There we go. We're back. And, oh, good. I hit record. Awesome. Look at that. Got (laughs) to I almost forgot. Um. All right. So we're, we're back. doing the show. Apparently, yeah. Look at that. I uh, we actually thanks to uh, Smarka Wahlberg for calling on in. We're gonna he's gonna join us to talk about the new. I, I I guess you call it the new Rocky Horror or the remake or reprise. I don't know. What would you call this? I would say remake. Okay, remake. Um. Which happened last Thursday on Fox. Sir. It was... Look, I know it's 2016. It was different. I know it's... <laughs> it, I knew it was going to be. Um, it was a little awkward, I, I, I guess, to say the least. Um, I do want to say, first of all, uh, Laverne Cox is in this movie, uh, in this version, I guess we'll call it. Um, she is a transgender person, and Frankenfurter should not have tits like that. I, <laughs> I'm not sure what to... I was very confused <laughs> during this because... <laughs> this dude's got got a great set of tits. That's all I gotta say. I you mean, wanna tell us something, Box? You wanna? Uh, is this a? <laughs> it's a very confusing thing because those things are just sitting there, and you're like, "Oh my god, I want to look, but I shouldn't look, but I can't look, but I but they're there." Hey, 
Hey, you know what this proves? Titties and titties. <laughs> At this point, like <laughs> mouth to mouth. Titties look good. No, but they're not. Those are titties on a dude. Yeah. <laughs> Those are titties on a dude. Um. Anyway, uh, it, it, it was a little confusing. Um, I didn't know whether to get a boner or not, so I just <laughs> I just taped it down. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, boss, did you just go into a room and say he's a dude? That's what I kept thinking. I, the you whole, had to give yourself a pep talk. Like, did you just you? I'm, you I'm, keep repeating the mantra. I'm not gay, bro. I'm not gay, bro. I, I, I'm going back to uh, an old Bobcat Goldthwait comedy show where he would sit there and he would be like, you know, I'm sitting there and I would get there and then I'd be like, it's a guy. It's a guy. It's. Look at the Adam's apple. But anyway, oh, um, let's 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 change subjects. Uh, Christina <laughs> Milan looked great uh, in in her part does. as Magenta. I do believe the girls they used were a bit too hot. Yes, this in, was actually one of my biggest uh, problems mm-hmm. with the movie. Uh, the girls were a bit too hot. The girl who played Columbia, I thought, was probably the best fit of all of the characters, um, and and the guy who played Riff Raff. I would say those two, in my opinion, were the best fit. What do you think, Smart? In terms of performance-wise, yes. Mm-hmm. In terms of stylistically, like. Riff Raff basically just looked like Chris Angel. Like, he looked like a part-time Hot Topic model. Like, that that was, again, like I'm saying, that is my biggest problem with this movie. It's like, everyone was way too pretty. They, like, they, yeah, they were these people way... have to look rugged and weird, but we also need to have sponsors. And so mm. we have to sign up all these pretty Hollywood people instead of the, you know, rough and rugged type people that they hired originally. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I seen it. I haven't seen it, but just without even having seen it, just based off what you guys are saying mm-hmm. in the review here, look at look at 2016, man. Look where we're at. Like, you have to. Unfortunately, we live in a world where it's it's not it's no longer cool to stand out, right? You know, we were talking about the honeymooners earlier. Yeah, a guy like Jackie Gleason, as talented as he was, as funny as he was, would fi- probably get laughed out of most studios nowadays because. Oh, you're too fat. You're not pretty enough. So many, how many fucking people would get laughed out of fucking studios if they don't have a six pack? They don't have titties out the hair. Mm-hmm. Females box. Females. Well, calm down. L- well, look, <laughs> the guy who played Rocky was basically a Zach Morrison lookalike. He really was. <laughs> Did he have a big ass cell phone? Was no, he, he looks like he really does. He's dude. Pull it up on IMDb. Just look at the photos. He is a Zach Morris lookalike. Um, the guy who played Brad was decent. Adam Lambert at Eddie as Eddie. I felt a little embarrassed for him. Yeah, see, I've seen that. I've seen the original movie so many times, and mm-hmm. I was just until I saw the remake, I was unaware that George Michael played Eddie because that's what they look like. They're trying to recreate. He just Holy looks like a fake ass George did look Michael. Like George Michael in the Faith video. Holy fuck! Does. You just made me think of that. Because <laughs> you gotta have faith, faith, faith. All right. Anyway, um. Oh shit. 
I, the girl who played Columbia, though, I really thought was probably the best in this movie. Um, I was very upset they didn't let her do the original dance that Columbia does in the middle of Time Warp. She did some fancy tap dancing scene. Uh, just wasn't the same to me. No. No. No, it just it wasn't the like same. Overall, this movie seemed like it was people who were fans of the movie, but they were like they were way too aware of it. If that makes sense, like it seemed like there were fans trying to recreate something instead of actors trying to play parts. There were there were two very I don't know two things that angered the original Rocky Horror fan in me. A mm. or number one. All the quotable lines in the movie, they overstressed them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. You know, the, the quotable lines during the songs, they they overstressed. You don't... Let them fall where they fall. You don't have to do that. And I really thought there would be more crowd participation scenes... The only scenes we got to see were the Antissa Say it. patient and when Dr. Scott rolls down they threw toilet paper. They didn't do the rubber gloves when he was doing his speech. They didn't throw newspapers for, during the rain. Um, they didn't throw toast. When Frank proposes a toast at dinner, you know, there was so many more things they could have let the audience get involved in. Why didn't they use it as an audience involvement thing? There were, I mean, I don't know. To me, that's what it looked like it was going to be. That's what I was really expecting. And when I watched it, I saw two times the audience got involved. No, three. You know what? Three times because they did throw confetti at the end of the uh, Charles Atlas song with um, <clears throat> uh, Rocky Horror. So three times was the only times that they really did anything that was in the movie. To me, it just seemed like they should have had more crowd participation. I think it would have made it more fun and a little more... I mean, look, if you're showing this to a new... 2016 yeah. audience wouldn't you want to really let them know what this movie is about and crowd crowd participation is what the live showing is about so i don't know that was my real major the two major things i had with this movie i really didn't get into the whole oh the acting wasn't great and you know ben vereen as dr scott was weird <laughs> the, the... So I'll say this, and, and I honestly think I don't. You know, the one thing that probably could have solved this whole debacle because it, it seems like it's a debacle based on what I'm hearing from you guys. Uh, but I think that if they had maybe consulted with an actor or director or fucking the janitor that might have worked on a movie, somebody well, from the original movie that you think that might have helped improve things a little bit. Tim Curry was the narrator in this movie, the criminologist. But even his part, I thought, was over-exaggerated. 
Well, let me let me add a little bit of uh, context to that. Sure. Tim Curry earlier this year, or I believe at the end of last year, had a stroke. So right. he's still in recovery. So if his performance was a little bit off, that might have a lot to do with it. And and, and I'm not putting – look, I'm not saying he was horrible. He wasn't. It, listen, it's good to see Tim Curry in any part. And you're right. Yeah. He did have a stroke last year and is in recovery. So – it was still good to see him doing anything in that movie. Um, and like I said, Ben Vereen is Dr. Scott. You know, man, I don't even know what to say here. Do we have to have, and Anthony, please don't take offense to this. Do we have to have the token black guy in every movie? Hey, it's 2016. Listen, I mean, look, I mean, look, I I look at it like this. Look, I don't take offense to it because you know what? I was one of the people that was pissed off when they remade the Honeymooners with a black cast. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it's just like to me, look, certain things are what they are. Don't try to appeal to everybody. If fuck, look, if they if the day ever comes where they make do an I Love Lucy remake. I don't want to fucking see Ricky Ricardo with a Jamaican accent. <laughs> I mean, right. it just don't work. It, 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 you stick to the original concept of what something was and stop trying to appeal to every goddamn segment of society. Everything is not meant to appeal to everybody. Just keep it the Thank way you. it was or don't bother making this shit at all. Yeah, that's probably the way I should have said it. But yeah, you know, I, And I think <sighs> if you're looking for, like... If you want to look at it on, on a business level, if you're looking to fill a quota, I think more naturally and more organically, Laverne Cox does that. Because hmm. hmm. not only is she a transvestite, but she's also, Af- or she or he or however you want to phrase it, is an African-American. Yeah. Like, you don't need to purposely go out of your way to inorganically cast diversity when you already have diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and Christina Milian as... Magenta, I thought was bad casting. Also, yeah, I I would do just things to her that like break, defy all kinds oh, of laws. Oh, she, she is she's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong, she is gorgeous. And and again, the girl uh, Anna Lee Ashford who played Columbia, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous girl. And the girl who was singing at the beginning. Uh, Kelly Van Kelly Vanderberg, who played Betty at the beginning, gorgeous girls. A little too beautiful, though. You yeah. know what I mean? Susan Sarandon was beautiful back then, but she wasn't like Susan Sarandon was, and still, she's the kind of girl you could walk into a bar and see sitting there, approachable, right. Right, I mean, she's, yeah, yeah. like she's, she's. I mean, I, and and I hope she's. Uh, you know, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. She just seems. She just kind of come like you said, box. That was a good analogy. Like she seems like the type of gar, type of girl you could see in a bar, that's attainable. Yeah, that's yeah. attainable for you on that night. Which put it like that. That's the which, best way I can put I it mean, without being like a sounding like an asshole. Yeah, and well, people have said the same thing about Stephanie McMahon, and I agree, Stephanie. Is no, no, Stephanie. You got. You would have to put in too much. I think you would have to put in some work with that one. Nah, Stephanie's the kind of hot you would see at two in the morning at a bar, and you'd be like, "Yeah, she'll do. (laughs) She'll do." Look at those. Look at those big fakies. I just have an issue with her personality. (laughs) Well, yeah, and then she would, you know, yeah, she 
Well, she's a horrific person, but that's a that's a different podcast. But yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different, uh, things whole different podcast. But <laughs> the point you know, of the night. I mean, she, I totally agree with you. Yeah, she, and um, and even Columbia, she was very beautiful in the original, but she had a certain. My God, how do you say this? Naive charm. <laughs> yeah. Um, dirtiness? Yes. I, I think, honestly, like the people in the original cast were not ugly people, but they were unconventionally attractive. Like Susan Sarandon, she kind of has the bug eyes. They looked like sci-fi. These girls looked like they walked off of a model set. The yes. original look, and I'm not saying this was bad. I have an open mind. It's 2016. I wasn't expecting to see, you know, Tim Curry out there dancing around in a fucking corset. Right. But I expected, like I said, you know, more crowd interaction, which is what they kind of showed it as—a crowd interactive live performance. Mm-hmm. Which, but that's not what we got. We got a watered-down homage. Oh, there you go. A watered-down homage to a film. Uh, some of the scenes were good. I thought the last scene actually was good in the you know the, the in in this newer one from from the dinner scene to the end. I thought was the best part of the whole show. Except they couldn't say the word mental mind fuck. They had to say a mental mind game can be nice. That annoyed me. It's Fox. (laughs) I've watched Rescue Me. They say fuck. They say shit. Why couldn't they? That's all I'm saying. It's one F word on Fox. Come on. Come on. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it's FX they do it on, but and I know they probably weren't going to do it. This was a prime time special, correct? Yes, yeah. yes, it was. It came on at like eight o'clock, right? So, and and I understand they can't do that, but there there were a few casting issues I had in this, and like I said, I really thought the crowd should have been more interactive in it, but it it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. I just thought the casting could have been better. Like I said, Adam Lambert is way too pretty to be Eddie. <laughs> In other words, that, so the, the common theme that I'm hearing here is the the casting was too pretty. Yeah, we, needed, we needed more awkwardly attractive people. Uh, I guess that's... Man, it's really weird to say that, but yeah... Yes. I, I mean, I guess, like I said, this is obviously not a wrestling podcast, but I, you know, this just popped in my head. She's I mean, not somebody that you probably would think of as conventionally attractive in the uh, normal sense of the word, but you know, you look at somebody like Eve Marie. Mm-hmm. She's obviously like super duper hot. She's not the type of chick that you see walking down the street every day, right? But uh, somebody that I thought was underrated in her attractiveness, rest in peace, uh, Sensational Sherry. When you actually yeah. took off all of the makeup and the gook and shit that they had her wearing on TV, she was a pretty good-looking woman. Mm-hmm. Like, naturally. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, even, and again, she was, but yeah, I guess that's it. 
in the... Well, I mean, like, she's like somebody that probably... I mean, obviously, she's not in this type of genre, mm. but I, I think that's what you're trying to say. Like, more down... Or not ugly people. So, you know, we want to put that out. Not ugly people, but more, like, regular-looking people. More... Yeah. Yeah. More Dusty Rose types. <laughs> I don't... Listen, and um, I mean, even the girl that played Janet, which was uh, Victoria Justice, listen... She is an amazing looking girl, but mm-hmm. again, Susan Sarandon is a beautiful woman, but like I said, you could walk into a bar and see yeah. someone she's, that he's looks attainable. that she's not like She's attainable. not like one of these, she's, she's attractive enough for you to be like, oh yeah, I want to fuck her, but she's not like overly attractive to the point where like, I don't have a fucking chance. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what, by the way, the girl singing in the beginning was Ivy Levant, Le, Levin. That was her name. I said it was Kelly something. But uh, she's done a few things, not many movies, but she's been in a few movies. Um, she was Drop dead gorgeous is what she was. The girl singing in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, but she was really good. I don't okay, know. Okay, the top of your head. Like, I, I really don't want to say that this was bad because I feel like I'm trashing something that wasn't meant to be great. It was meant yeah. to be a remake, but I think it could have been a little more planned out. So yeah. what do you guys think? All right, in other words, like, I guess, you know, you obviously, we, you know, you can't go back to the well of the original cast. They're older. Some of them, are, you know, unfortunately passed away. Do you think that, I mean, who who would you have put in this remake? Who do you think could have made this remake better? You could have put or at least Or at least manageable. The number one that comes out in my head is, like, in terms of Eddie, I would go with, like, Jack Black. Oh, Jesus. He would have he been great at that. Jack Black, wow, that's a. I mean, he's not he's not like old, but it's like man, I, it just feels like I haven't heard his name in so fucking long. My God, long. if Farley was still alive, jeez, <laughs> that would have been great. You think he could have pulled it off? Oh my God, could he have pulled it off? Oh damn, come to think of it, yeah, he did it, yeah. <laughs> Especially when like when he got pissed off, and and honestly, when Farley got pissed off, you could believe. He was ready to fuck shit up. Oh, he would have pulled it. And the medic would have got out and said, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he could have pulled that part off. Um, you know what? Let's see here. Who else? Look, you could have had Barry Boswick isn't exactly an, you know too old to play something. In, he would have been a great Dr. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Sure. As a matter of fact, he, he, you know, I think uh, Smart, you said, uh, uh, Susan Sarandon was seventy. He can't be too far off for that. He got to be in his early seventies. Let's see. Yeah, I don't he's even think there. he's that old. Excuse me, I just burped again. And and how was that? I think that's a hell of a jump box to go from Rocky Horror Picture Show to the Mayor on Spin City. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Every time I watch, and they made it. Oh my God, you're right. He's seventy-one years old. So yeah, they they like a year apart, I guess. Yep, he's seventy one years old. So, and I mean, the, the question has to be asked: like, how much are we talking in terms of like funding for cast choices? But like, maybe Johnny Depp is like Frankenfurt or something like that. I'm just brainstorming. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I can't really think of anybody who would do that role. You, that you know what? You bring Johnny Depp, and all the mainstream haters are gonna you ruined another fucking classic movie. I loved man. 
Johnny fucking Depp in his pretty face, man. Honestly, <laughs> could be a lot worse. Could be Shia LaBeouf. And a pretty face, man. And, and look, I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is not the filling type of quota. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> for, for like a uh, for like a for like a narrator role, you know. Honestly, just because they Morgan got the Freeman? voice for it, just because they got the voices for it, you know who would have been a good uh, choice for a narrator? Forrest Whitaker. No, I, I, I <laughs> good choice, but I was going for either uh, what's the guy's name. I was either going to go for like Keith David or um mm. or uh, Morgan Freeman. Keith David would have been a solid choice. Because, you know, Keith, WWE actually uses Keith David from time to time on some of their documentaries. Bitch, if you mm-hmm. said Kevin Hart, I was going to fucking hang up on your ass. I'm telling you right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, if you would have said Kevin Hart, we wouldn't have been friends anymore. That's no. why I need that I'm one. Like, all right. Um, that was the last uh, with <laughs> – Smark is my new co-host now. And, um... <laughs> you would have got the poochie treatment. Anthony died back on his way to his home yeah. planet. <laughs> fucking Benoit uh, treatment I, I, for that no, shit. No, I actually buried Kevin Hart a couple days ago. I like Kevin Hart. Look, I like him. I, give I, I, just, the, I, I don't know. It's just like he's starting to get kind of. He's starting to jump the shark for me personally. Look, you know what? When Hollywood wants you, they want you. You are not. Listen, that you know how much money he is making. In my opinion, Kevin Hart is basically like the black Jimmy Fallon. Like, he's non-offensive. He's safe. He's safe. He, I put it to you like this. If, if, if Patrice O'Neal hadn't died or if fucking Cat Williams hadn't lost his damn mind, Kevin Hart, like, he, he would be in fifth place at best. I don't know, I mean, man. you think about it, like, Hollywood, like, in terms of, like, the major roles and shit, like, Hollywood likes casting corny black dudes. Like, Nick Cannon has all over the place. Steve Harvey is all over the place. Things like that. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Kevin, I, I still believe Kevin Hart was coming. I don't think there was any stopping Kevin Hart. I don't I'm know. Not, I mean, don't get me wrong. Hollywood loves him. I mean, he is funny, and he is a funny dude. I'm not trying to say he's not talented, mm-hmm. but if you listen to his, if you listen to his act, or if you watch any of his movies, they're basically fucking the same jokes. Just he switched the only thing he changed is the order that he tells them in. Oh yeah, there's really, not, there's really no diversity. No, he's not, look. He's he's the kind of comic who just he got lucky. Hollywood loves this fucking guy. And since, let's see here, since what? I would say since 2013. 2013, I would say he was in Grudge Match with um, Stallone. I would say that movie right there is when he started blowing up. 2000, yep, 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 2013. And then he's blown up since. He's been in fucking every goddamn movie you could think of where they needed a token black guy. Uh, <laughs> Mike Epps' role of just being the kind of dumb guy in the movie. Well, yeah, Mike Epps is pretty much just doing YouTube videos now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like Hollywood looks at it like he's not, you know, he like you know, like Smart said, to put it bluntly, he's he's safe. I mean, you think about it, he, you know, he's not going, he's not like a Richard Pryor or uh, trying to think of somebody else off the top of my head, or in the Cat Williams, he's not going to make any type of grandiose political statements. 
He's not, you know, he's not like a Chris Rock. He's not going to go off on racial tirades. No, you know what he is. It isn't racially based. It's not like, you know, it's not going to piss people off. It's not going to piss off certain demographics. Do you know who he is? It's safe. It's, you know. You know who he is. You know, it's bubblegum comedy, basically. He is an African-American Adam Sandler. Yeah. Even Adam Sandler had more balls. I'm sorry. But again... Very low-key, never see him in the news for anything crazy. Adam Sandler is your safe guy. You're not going to see Adam Sandler go on a drunken, drugged-out tear and (laughs) ruin your movie opening. And you're not going to see Kevin Hart do it either. He's basically the the black Adam Sandler, and he really is. You won't you won't hear stories of fucking uh, Kevin Hart doing doing lines of coke off of some hooker's tits. So. Oh, that's probably a good five six years down the road. I mean, that's going to happen, but it's going to take a while <laughs> to get to that point. But, uh, if anything, I, that, that would make me a fan instantly listen, again. I'd be like, yeah, listen, Kevin Hart, the fucking man. He's a short guy. Eventually, the Napoleon syndrome is going to kick in, and he's gonna have to get fucking go go crazy. So. <laughs> yeah. go crazy because at some point he's going to become irrelevant so he exactly he's gonna kickstart his career he's gonna but I don't know and meanwhile any movie he does with The Rock you may as well give him fucking a, a, few, a few million dollars what's funny is even in acting now The Rock has to carry people yeah yeah <laughs> meanwhile I, 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 I have that Central Intelligence movie and I want to check it out I heard it's good you know we actually got reviewed it for the show I'm hearing uh Good things about it. Yeah, I've got I, it. I hear The Rock, you know, carried it, apparently. I, look, The Rock, the guy's amazing. I don't know what else you can say about him, but talk about taking the, blurring the lines between, you know, silly wrestler and, no. you know, he's big eclipsed, time I mean, actor. Yeah, he's eclipsed them all. And I, I think when all is said and done, he'll probably go down as the most successful of them all. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, his bank account alone, <laughs> dude. Last year, he was one of the most like highly, like one of the highest paid actors, dude. He did what Hogan wanted to do, he did what Stone Cold wanted to do, Piper was trying to do, was was, you know, break that line down of just being a silly, corny wrestler. No, I would he say with it, the man. exception of Piper and I was the Funk, Terry Funk, because I think Funk? Terry Funk could have pulled it off. There you go. He, and he was. Uh, uh, Rock took it seriously. Like after he did like, uh, I think, Scorpion King, his first couple movies, he got he went and actually took acting lessons. Yeah. He yeah. stepped outside of his Because if you look at some of this shit, I mean, I, you know, we like it because we like hokey shit on this show. But the Rock, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Suburban Commando, fucking No Holes Barred. Hogan was just playing an over-exaggerated self of himself on camera. Hogan was taking he, he, There was the no bus. range there. No, he was taking the money. He was taking the money. That's it. Hogan has all the range with GPS submerged in water. <laughs> I mean, put it to you like this. Hogan's charisma works in wrestling, but in movies, it kind of like you have to have to show some range. You have to show some emotional range. Listen... Hulk Hogan's most famous part is Rocky Three, and it's a, what ten minutes, nine minutes at the most. Come on, 
That's his yeah, most basically famous playing part. A wrestler. That was it. His other most famous part is his dick, and he didn't want to. <clears throat> and he and he would wanted to take his son's call, so he stopped fucking somebody. Speaking of remakes, <laughs> I hear Hawk Hogan's in line to be the uh, lead in the American History X oh. remake. Oh, <laughs> that's horrible. There's only one Hulkster. Put your mouth on that curb, brother. So wait a minute. Seriously, though. Let's think about this for a minute. How bizarre is it that fucking Hulk Hogan has a sex tape that we know of and not Ric Flair? How many sex tapes of Ric Flair should it be by now? Uh, Let me just say that tells me one thing. Ric Flair is the smarter guy. (laughs) Definitely. Okay. We can say I mean, all we want. Imagine the kind of ass Rick Flanagan got over the years. Oh, I mean, look, as much dicky waving as he's done, he's uh, he's never been on tape, and uh, we've never actually had to look at that fucking old wrinkle. <laughs> he's smart enough to keep his racist tirades unrecorded. <laughs> he's smart enough to not do it in a prison. Number one. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Ric Flair keeps his racist tirades to 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 his home and uh, his 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 soon to be wife, like a smart man does, and only in his car with the windows rolled up, up, way up. <laughs> I mean, that's from my that's where my racist tirades come from. <laughs> Driving in my car with the window up. <laughs> I use words that were banned in the 80s. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about these Chinamen. And those, and those were liberal times. I mean. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. This derailed immediately. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going with any of this. But. Um... <laughs> hey, wow. Yeah, this... We got the movie out of the way. You know, this is. <laughs> Yeah, and and we got what I really wanted to say. Mainly the two things I wanted to say about the new one were the fact that the audience participation blew and the over-exaggerated quotes were just, you're shoehorning. You're literally shoehorning the fact that, oh, that was a famous quote. Ooh, that was on IMDb. Ooh, that's a Wikipedia quote. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, I like I hate to keep going back to wrestling metaphors, but like it seemed like there were certain parts of the movie where it's like they wanted people to be like, Okay, this is the part where you cheer, this is the part where you say this. Like they were kinda of holding their hand and that's not how that works. No. No And I wanted to get your opinion real quick about you said the audience participation blew, but like conceptually speaking, do you think ha- including a live audience in the remake was a good idea? And obviously it wasn't a, I mean, when you say a live audience, obviously they were actors. Right, yeah. Quote, unquote, live audience. I think if they had put an actual live audience, yeah, I think it really would have added to the experience. Uh, What was it, an hour and a half show? Yeah, about that. What? I mean, do a three-hour night. Make it a fucking night. Have some fun. Oh, you know, you know what it is. I, you know, and like I said, I, you know, I, I guess it goes to I think, like I said, they had people in the audience, unfortunately, that weren't as familiar with it. It's it's like okay, you know, once again, I know we keep going back to wrestling, but 
you know, it's like, you know, TNA or WCW even back in the day when they would run, when they would tape at Universal Studios and they would do like a rotation of like, basically it wasn't like actual wrestling fans. It was fucking, uh, park goers, people that were just there as part of like the uh, Universal package. They weren't fucking wrestling fans. They would put up like signs, one to applause. Oh, sting. All right, everybody got to clap now. They weren't true fans, so they didn't understand what the fuck was going on. Do you think they might they might have been better off? I don't know doing a survey or like actually selecting people that actually were familiar with the concept of the movie and how it worked. And yes, it would have came across better as opposed to just having random people there that may have saw it or may have not or may have they may have got it or they you know they saw like two other people doing uh. it and they want to be the one guy in the crowd. Oh, this is the part when I. Why is nobody else joining in? Listen, you want to have actors there, I don't give a fuck. I don't care if they're actors. I just think they should have shown... I mean, what I said was just what I had off memory. There's probably five or six more things that the crowd gets involved in that I didn't even mention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of things said in the during the movie... Um, you know that uh, during the the wedding in the beginning, people throw rice. Yeah, you get hit with rice in the theater, dude. Seriously, you sure do. <laughs> you get hit with fucking rice. So you know, listen. Again, I don't care if you use actors. I think they should have. The only way to take a new audience and teach them what the movie is really about is to teach them. Listen, you know, God, I hate to, I really sound old when I use this, you know, bring a man a fish, teach a man to fish, and he'll, you know, eat for the rest of his life. Bring a man a fish, he'll eat for one day. Teach people. Teach them what the movie is about. Teach them what it would be like to go see it live. You know what? Holy shit. This looks like fun to go see live. I want to go. You you could get a whole generation of people wanting to. That did not get me. You know what it made me want to do? It made me want to watch the original. Yeah, that, that, I think that was my main overarching question was like, who is this movie for? Yeah, what is... Like, the, the Rocky yeah. Horror fans are not going to want to watch this. No. And, like, it seemed like they were trying to do it for a new generation. But I feel like if a new generation... Like, the people that want to watch this or seek this out, they're going to watch the original. Because well, it's, not, it's not a pop, like, it's not American Idol. It's not, like, a thing that's within the popular culture. It's a niche thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the people that are a part of that niche, the newer generation, are going to seek out the original. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know I'm really kind of harping on the crowd participation, but I think the crowd participation in a show like this is key. And I mean key. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I guess, you know, I guess to uh, answer Smart's question, uh, who is it appealing to? I don't think it's designed to appeal to anybody. I think we're in a point now in the entertainment industry because we're seeing it in wrestling all the day. Ooh, you know, Goldberg was popular in 1998. Let's bring him back. People remember Goldberg. Ooh, you know, you know, Brock, Brock Lesnar, he was cool. He was uh, a star once upon a time. Well, he still is a star. But, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, anything that was remotely popular back way back when 
whether it was even if it was 50 years ago they're they're bringing back concepts not really with an audience in mind per se but they figure oh if it made money in 1975 surely we can make money off of it in 2016 and i think that's that's as far as the thought process goes well, I don't think they're necessarily making it to appeal to older fans. I don't even think they're trying to create new fans. They just look at a, a, a franchise that they had from back in the day that made some money, and they figure they can make some money off of it today. Well, I think that's as far as the thought process goes. In yeah, it. I mean, sure. nostalgia sells. Let's not play games here. Nostalgia does sell. It really sure. does. People still oh. You know, and a lot of younger generation kids now like some of the older stuff. You know, it's cool to be kind of retro now. But I don't know. I really think an updated – this didn't need an updated. I would have been happier if they showed the original with an added crowd participation. Even if they were actors. You know what I feel like would have been really successful? It's just a documentary. That would have been great, too. And there, and there is a book that obviously you can get. I mentioned it earlier. I completely just forgot the name, and I'm not going back to look for it. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm probably going to check that out or maybe see if it's on uh, audiobook. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. I mean, even a, a documentary on it would have been good. Seeing... Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. Look, they're still around. They're not dead. I mean, yeah. we saw Susan Sarandon still looks like a. Yeah. I mean, yeah, her, her, her titties are alive and well. Let me be honest. She still looks fuckable. I mean, I'm gonna. I'll fucking <laughs> so say. So she's it. a she's a she's a gilf as the young. Is she really? Yes. She what? What was that smart? I said she is literally older than my grandmother. And I would do just horrific things to her that defy laws. Yeah, you made that like very clear. My nature. God, she's seventy. Goldie Hawn is seventy. Goldie Hawn is seventy. That's another. That's another one that still looks. Oh my God, Goldie. Damn, I'm looking at Susan Sarandon. Yeah, she still does look. Uh... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no. I, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh, God, uh, think about it. I wouldn't wow. call her grandma. I wouldn't call her grandma. Put it that way. Um. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh. You know. <laughs> a um. A, a a documentary. Even while showing the original, just having the cast of the original sit there and talk about it. Look, you still have got most of that cast around. Tim Curry, you still have got Susan Sarandon, Barry Boswick, Meatloaf. Those are really the main cast. I don't know if the other two guys are still around, but you know the yeah, guys who I mean, made the film, Riff Raff, and yeah, Richard O'Brien. Uh, Richard O'Brien is still very much alive. Oh, okay. I mean that that probably would have been a better thing. I just, you know, they they have to remake, and again. They have to remake with the pretty people. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, you know, it's, yeah, it's probably going to make me sound like a nerd, but one of my favorite fe- – they don't do too much anymore, but one of my favorite features on, like, DVDs and Blu-rays was always, uh, like, the commentary track from directors, actors. Because mm-hmm. you get – that's how I 
learn like little factoids and you know tidbits about the because I'm I'm like I'm, I've always been interested in how things came to be, like like how like they got to that finished product. Yeah, and if you get the 25th anniversary of uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it used to be on Netflix. It might still be. Um, there is some of that commentary on there of you know how they did this, how they did that, why they did this, and why they did that. So there is a little bit of that. But yeah, I would have been happier with something like that. I don't think this needed to be a remake. I'm... Man, I'm kind of... I'm... Man. I'm not glad they remade it, but it was good to see. It was nice to watch, I guess. Um, I'm with Smark. I'm very... The original one is ingrained in me. I'm going to compare everything to that. Okay, this song didn't sound like Meatloaf sang it. This song didn't sound like, the, you know, this didn't sound like Barry Boswick. But, you know, even when you hear a song get remade sometimes, you think the same thing. Okay, this didn't sound like the original, but you got to remember it's not gonna be the original i think they did what they what they planned to do which was a quick remake um again i'll say it one more time the crowd should have been more involved and i think that would have been a big big difference but it wasn't horrible it wasn't great it was i guess the best word i could choose for it is watchable four out of ten mm, five <laughs> out of ten watchable watchable is what it was uh, i i would probably watch it again if it was on but again it made me want to go back and watch the original more than it did make <clears throat> me want to record the the new one now let me ask you guys something, because you know you guys were talking about documentaries, and I'm and I'm I'm a, I'm a sucker for documentaries. I really am. Uh, remember the old school, and I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm going back to the '90s. Remember the old school Intrelli with stories? Mm-hmm. I missed that. I honestly, I I'm surprised. I don't think I got to look it up. I don't think they ever did one on Rocky Horror Picture, but I just wish they had to did something similar to like an Intrelli with story, because this movie was tailor made for that. With that, with like the eerie ass music they had, like that. Dun, 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 dun. This movie was tailor made for a documentary like that. I'm surprised they never did one on it. Yeah, it would have been very cool to see a you know true Hollywood story or something like that on this, or you know behind the, behind, you know behind the, uh, the, the behind the show or something. I, you speaking of which, real quick, I, it wasn't a behind the music, but VH1 actually did do a documentary about it. Oh, cool. Recently? Uh, you Not know what? Recently. It was like 2002, maybe? I saw that when I was looking up some stuff. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I think it coincided DH. with like the 30th anniversary or the 20th anniversary. I'm not exactly sure about the date. Yeah, I'll tell you real quick right now. Rocky Horror. The, it, was on the, it, was, it was 2000, the 25th anniversary special. Uh, they did a quick VH1 celebrates 25th anniversary with a karaoke Rocky Horror Picture Show. See, that's crowd involvement. 
I actually I saw that, and that was like way more in tune with the spirit of the original one than the remake was. Well, you can still find it. Richard O'Brien's Rocky Horror Tribute Show. Obviously, Richard O'Brien was Riff Raff. Mm-hmm. And they had Patricia Quinn and Nell Campbell, who who was Columbia in the original one. Patricia Quinn was um, Magenta, I believe. And speaking of just like attractive people, if we can talk about that for just a minute, oh, sure. you want to talk about underrated attractive people? Nell Campbell, oof, especially oof. in the Columbia role, she was fucking hot. She was, and again, I did mention that uh, at the end there, you see her nipples. Throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. it is. There's, there's a couple of scenes. There's a there's a scene where she, uh, before she becomes set in stone, she's arguing with Frankenfurter, and mm-hmm. she like does a thing where she adjusts her uh, pajamas, and you can see it through the hole. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple of shots of that. There are. She was like kind of like she was kind of Harley Quinn before Harley Quinn was even a person. Yeah, yeah, you got a point there. And she she didn't do a lot of movies after Rocky Horror, but. Uh, she did a, few, a couple. She was in the Killing Fields, mm-hmm. and she was in not much. She was in, in Pink Floyd, The Wall, for a quick moment, but not even credited. So she didn't do much, but yeah, she was very beautiful in the in that role, man. I, I, the girl who played her in this one was. Again, very beautiful, but a little too hot. But, man, I wish we could have seen her nipples. <laughs> wow. I would have liked to see the nipples on her. <laughs> also, while we're talking about the movie real quick, there was a couple of things I wanted to hit on, one mm-hmm. of which being, um, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but during the movie, it was noted that... Um, uh, Frankenfurter created Eddie as well because he made a remark about how was it a mistake that he used the same brain he divided the brain between Eddie and Rocky right which is in the original also and to uh, speaking of the movie it was uh, after the fact Richard O'Brien had said that it was intended that Riff Raff was actually the person who did the majority of the creation of Rocky because there's a line in the movie where he says that all the corrections are in order. He's just waiting for Frankenfurter's word. Right. So, Riff Raff was also a switch hitter, as you mentioned. Ah, <laughs> the so. old switch hitter. The old ambiguous, ambidextrous hitter. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know, but um, obviously to me... The original will have a special place. Like I said, uh, me and my friends used to get together and watch this every Halloween. Um, I do. My friend Aliza actually said she had a picture of all of us one night watching this movie in drag. Yes, there was one night where I dressed as a girl. Me and my friend actually went everywhere. Went to the store, the bar. Everywhere, dressed as women. We had fun. And not to get too serious, but like that that's kind of one of the movies that helps kind of build the connection or build a relationship between you know, transvestites and metrosexuals with the heterosexual world. Yeah. Because like growing up, like when I was in high school, I will say, I was kind of 
because everyone else around me was kind of homophobic. That was kind of the thing because nobody wanted to admit <laughs> there was a lot of closeted people. And where I lived in the South, homophobia was very popular. <laughs> Everybody had to be a tough, manly man. Yeah, like, we don't like them fags. Queering don't make the world work. And I, yeah. I remember being kind of a, a homophobic asshole at the time. And I was in there thinking about it. And it was like, your favorite movie involves a transvestite blowing a dude. Like, can you really be homophobic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, meanwhile, they get fucking drunk and show each other their cocks and, you know, anyway. Yeah, hey, there's Billy a lot Bob, of I, uh, I didn't mean to suck that last night. <laughs> I don't know how to quit you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that movie, by the way. Really? Never. 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 But I think you're right. It does actually give a, it's it's kind of a, a little break in the gap between the uh, the worlds. But yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those movies that if you're a fan of it, you're probably a very open-minded person. Yeah. Really. That, like, there's a lot of movies who like nowadays, especially. They try to market themselves towards a, a specific demographic, a, spart, a certain niche group, but it's definitely very calculated. Whereas, like, I think back in the day, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like, it was for outcast by outcast. Well, like, it, it was definitely, it was genuine, and right. you don't really see that nowadays. And it Like, was... you guys had mentioned, um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off no, real quick. You guys had mentioned if it would be successful nowadays. And I think if it was made nowadays, it would be just kind of like The Room or Sharknado, where it's like, it's a shitty movie, or it's kind of lame or whatever, but it's supposed to be. Like, it's self-aware. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's bad for the sake of being bad. Good. Whereas, I think nowadays, like, back in the day, like, yeah. the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like, it was tongue-in-cheek, but it was also kind of sincere. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, definitely. Like, the people who liked it they liked it for a sincere reason they didn't like it because it was so bad that it was good they liked it because it was like unlike anything they had ever seen before it was like a movie created for outcasts you know like it spoke to them yeah and sharknado is a good comparison but it 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 not only was it created for outcasts but it was created for i mean think about the niche audience that they were going for sci-fi geeks and horror geeks which mm -hmm. are really the same kind of you know they're all related to the same genre you know i mean you know comic cons horror conventions you know kind of thing yeah. so you know or and sci-fi conventions and horror conventions same thing so they were going for that niche that niche audience and, you know, at the time, that was not a big audience. You know, no. 1975, science fiction, parents were trying to keep their kids away from that shit, man. They, 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 look, 1975, people were just trying to keep their kids away from rock and roll. Yeah, like, if you think about it, like, it, it's a very unique example because, like, Brad and Janet are supposed to be the all-American couple. And they're like they they're they're the the tradition they're the niche they are not niche but they're like they're the standard and like that it was one of the rare movies back then when the people like the outcasts were in control and the standard people were the people that were minorized and they weren't the people who had power 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it was just a, you know, for that, I mean, you have to, I mean, I was born in 1975, so I can't exactly speak for the times, but, you know, you just have to realize those were completely different times. Mm -hmm. People, I mean, Elvis was still... Elvis music, yeah, that, that was still devil music at that time in 1975. Alice Cooper was devil music. Parents didn't want their kids listening to that shit. Okay. To put and it in perspective, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it seemed, for, for some reason, I'm, I'm getting a sense that we probably need to do an All in the Family episode as much as it comes up. <laughs> but, uh, to, you know, speaking to your point, you know, uh, a little factoid, I, and please don't ask me how I know this stuff. I just know because I research and I'm, and I'm a nerd when it comes to this stuff. But did you know, like, when All in the Family originally debuted on CBS, who else was on CBS at the time that had kind of made her niche and made her name? Um, uh, uh, Carol Burnett. Uh, no. Close. Lucille Ball? Yes. Oh, there you go. She hated that show. Mm. She hated it. And she, and she did everything. She tried to kind of get it shut down. Because think about where it was coming from. You know, she was coming from all for 20 years of, like, you know, cookie cutter. Mommy, I mean, think about it. You never saw an episode of I Love Lucy, the Lucy, anything she was ever part of. You never saw an episode that dealt with race or any type of real shit. Yeah. So all, when All in the Family first came on the scene, think about it. In the, in the early episodes, when it first debuted, they had, like, a little disclaimer. All in the family contains sensitive language that may offend certain members of the family, and it's not appropriate for all members of the family. Viewer discretion is advised. Yep, that type of thing. That was new. Yeah, because I mean, so back yeah, the in 70s, those days, kind of like the seventies really kind of like broke down a lot of walls and a lot of barriers that people weren't ready for. Yeah, like back in those days, like they people didn't like you're saying people didn't address real issues. Like it was kind of the. You know, we're going to pretend that everything's okay. We're going to pretend that everything's going all right. You know, we're the all-American family. You know, the the wife and the husband are great. They're having a great relationship, and the kids are fine. Like, that was the type of America that the, you know, marketing companies, you know, the sponsors wanted to present, but that wasn't the reality. So yeah. once you got to, like, the 90s, the reality started coming out when you had shows like Married with Children and, like, Roseanne and shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, how bizarre is it now to think that, you know, you look at uh, reruns of uh, I Love Lucy or fucking uh, Brady Bunch and the husband and wife, they're si they're sleeping in separate beds like they don't fuck. Like, like how bizarre is that? Like, <laughs> how fucking weird is that to see now yeah. in 2016? Oh, they got they got six kids in the house, but nobody fucking. Which, uh, I mean, that, that all that, that all goes to show, like. You know, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was in 75. Mm -hmm. And there was, like, scenes of fellatio being performed. You know, like, that was that was such a divide. That was such a counterculture moment when, the, you know, America was supposed to be presented as more traditional. Yeah. Like, we only have sex for procreation and shit like that. <laughs> All right. Here's a... Uh, you know what? Why don't we do this real quick? Real quick, I've got 14 little-known facts... About Rocky Horror, and then I guess we'll uh, guess we'll get out of here. Uh, Rocky Horror began as a way to keep a few unemployed actors busy. Uh, basically, Richard O'Brien and uh, James Sharman, Jim Sharman, used uh, just kind of set this film up and took their love of science fiction and horror 
and took a few actors that they knew were out of work and needed help. So that's how the film that started. Uh, Richard O'Brien, Riff Raff, originally wanted to play Eddie. And um, Jim Sharman talked him out of it. Columbia and Magenta were originally one character. As the stage play began casting, Sharman was hoping his friend, pop star Marianne Faithful, would play Frankenfurter's female counterpart. But Little Nell, and by the way, she is in the uh, in the film. She's known as Little Nell. That's even how she's credited. Had already been cast in the production, so Charmin and O'Brien reworked the role into two parts, Magenta and Columbia. When the time came to cast Magenta, Faithful was already off on tour, so Patricia Quinn was cast. Uh, Little Nell was cast for her for her tap dancing skills alone. Uh, Frank and Fred originally had a German accent. But Tim Curry couldn't pull it off. <laughs> so they just said, fuck it. And you should sound like the queen anyway. So they kept his original uh, English accent and just told him to sound a little more like the queen. Uh, the song, the original film, the original song for the film that was uh, the Lips science fiction double feature originally had a different singer but was suddenly um done wait a minute let's see as previously mentioned patricia quinn took the part as magenta uh so she could sing the double science fiction double feature on stage but when it came time it was decided that uh o'brien who was put was riffraff to sing the song uh she wasn't happy but at least she got consolation for her lips being in the song. So the lips you see are actually Patricia Quinn's lips, who is magenta. Uh, the director agreed to a small budget in order to keep his original cast that he picked. So, you know, they were obviously offering him a larger budget to get some better people in the roles, but he took the smaller budget in order to keep Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. Let's see. Much of the film's look was inspired by an actual rotting mansion. Nah, we don't need to go much more into that. Large portion of the film was actually supposed to be in black and white. Really? While, con while conceiving of the film's overall look, Charmin, Thompson, and the company originally decided the film's opening act should be shot entirely black and white, and the first color shot would be Frankenfurter's red lips when he appeared on the elevator. The idea that Brad and Janet were living in a, bl a bland world, and when they met Frankenfurter, it became more colorful. Uh, actually, it would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the studio completely rejected the idea. Uh, the reveal of Eddie's body genuinely shocked the cast. No one knew it was going to be done. So that was an actual surprise for the cast. Uh, a cardboard model was used at the end to make the house fly. That's not surprising. 
The film's famous audience participation was inspired in part by boredom. The Rocky Horror Picture Show was a flop when originally released in 1975, but as midnight showings continued, it developed a rabid cult following and a, uh, a penchant, that's what it says, penchant for the shouting at the screen as the film played. Brian Thompson first witnessed this phenomenon at New York's Waverly Theater in 1977 and asked what was going on. And a reply from a fan was, we thought it was pretty boring and thought if we yelled back, it would be more fun. Uh, <laughs> Tim Curry was once kicked out of a screening for being an imposter. Uh, that was in New York. Uh, they actually threw him out, didn't think he was the real uh, Frankenfurter. So he was thrown out. They obviously got him back to the theater and the staff apologized. And little known fact number 14, Prince Diana was a huge fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Meatloaf and Tim Curry actually had uh, met, the, met Prince Diana. So there you go. She was actually a fan of the movie. Wow, that's... T- <laughs> wow. <laughs> Obviously, I, we, none of us have never met her, but how much of a trip is that? Yeah, Princess Die is a fucking Rocky Horror picture. That that tells me she's a she would have been a fun girl to hang and hang out with. <laughs> I mean, I think the exact line was like she thanked him for completing her experience, quote unquote. Ooh, wonder what the experience was. Huh? Had a girl die. <laughs> he, to steal a Trumpism, you think he might have grabbed her by the oh. <laughs> Hey, ow. All right. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so, the cultural icon night right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, on that night, and on, on that note, what do you think, guys? Yeah, I think we kind of covered all the bases. Smart. Rocky you got any more to uh, complain, bitch, anything? No, I'm not going to complain or bitch. I think, like, mainly the positive I'm going to leave things on is like it, it's really impressive how it has kind of infiltrated the zeitgeist like there is like you had mentioned it was on the Drew Carey show I saw it on the Simpsons the Boondocks like a wide variety of shows it's on like they have done remakes or spoofs or homages to it um, it's still popular like it's still produced there's still plays in high schools and colleges like it has Definitely, it's like it is the ultimate movie for the underdog or for the niche crowd, and it's just really impressive how it has managed to kind of take that place. Like it was kind of almost, if you think about it, it was almost kind of the original viral movie because there was a lot oh. of people who saw it and they were like, "You need to see this. It's so weird, it's so strange, what yeah. have you." Yeah, it's amazing how it has taken its place in pop culture as you know something that was originally just you know panned by critics, but it found its audience pre-internet. And by word of mouth. And, you know, this movie is probably, um, you know, we were talking, me and Anthony were talking earlier about, you know, movies that just, you know, this movie is timeless. This is one of the, another, another definition of timeless. Not only a cult classic, but a timeless 
movie. It's 41 years later, and they're remaking this movie. And they did remake this movie into, uh, you know, a, a, and people are still doing this movie today yeah. on stage, on, yeah. you know, live. So yeah. I yeah. think yeah. when you say cult classic, it defines cult classic. Yeah. And I think this movie also defines the word timeless. This is a timeless movie. You are never, never going to get sick of a movie like this. I think 40 more years down the road, this movie will still be what yeah. it is. I really do. I don't think this movie has a time to die. I don't think this movie's going <laughs> to go away. I don't think it will. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, for you know, 40 years from now or 80 years from now, however long it is, mm -hmm. long after we're going box. It'll be somebody else doing a fucking podcast about Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> way back when, a hundred years ago. It was a great fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, and I hope they do. I hope this movie lives on and on. And, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing with it. Make it the cult classic that it is. But, you know, like I said, this will be a timeless classic that lives on. And uh, I hope it does. I really hope this is the kind of movie that never ends. So, I don't know, man. Anything else? Uh, in the immortal words of the uh, great Terry Funk, this movie will live forever. <laughs> forever. I just had to get that in. That's one of my favorite quotes ever. <laughs> All right. Then I guess, as usual, I will go ahead and do quick plugs uh, THT movie review. Uh, sorry we were out for a couple of weeks, guys. I got sick one week and I was out of town last week. Uh, I had fun though, so that was a good thing. But uh, check us out on iTunes, THT movie review, Facebook.com slash guess what? THT movie review, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all THT movie review. And, of course, uh, don't forget to check out me and Shaheen every Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, Mixer.com slash THT Podcast. Uh, you can find us on The Wrestling Show on Wrestling Soup, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, YouTube, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, same thing as us. Uh, type in THT right now, you're getting both shows. Uh, Anthony, anything else you got to say? Uh, tune in every Friday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, THC Move Review. And uh, in the coming days, we'll let you know what we're doing next week, but we will be back next week, as always, there 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern. There you go. Sure. Join the uh, Facebook, and we'll make sure we tell you guys every movie we're doing every week. Uh, we will see you guys 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time next Friday. That's it, y'all. Don't dream it, be it. Cause Don't dream it. Sorrow. Be Watch this fucking movie, please. Rocky Horror Picture. If you haven't gotten a hint yet, go see it live. For the love of God, go see it live. If you don't want to dress up, don't dress up. But go see it live. You are deprived. If you haven't already, you are depriving yourself of an experience unlike anything else you have ever seen. I have seen it twice. I will see it again next year i will see it as many times as possible it is a great experience it's a lot of fun there go see you it. go 
I've seen it a few times live myself. It is an experience. Go see it. And on that note, I'm going home. I'm going home.